right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Welcome to Two Guys Garage Podcast. It's Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And we are glad that you guys are here, man. Fired up about today's show. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Kyle Tucker from Detroit Speed. It's funny, man. Whenever you got CEO, president, anything like that on your business card, that's a business card, Kev. You got to look at it and go, damn. Damn. Especially for this man right here. Yeah, he is doing stuff, boy. Doing stuff. And you know, Detroit Speed is synonymous with just badassery, man. It's, you know, they have components that, especially guys like me with all muscle cars, Oh, go fanatic on. Oh, my God, man. And these guys, I mean, I'd almost go on a limb here and say these are kind of the core people responsible for building up this whole pro touring kind of movement and taking old cars and making them fly like hell out on the track, on the street, and rip it up. I mean, way, way, way different from, you know, doing a, a pro street build, you know, like coming out of the 80s and going to the 90s and, and really kind of formulating what it takes to put the suspension, the steering, the brakes, the full handling kind of package. Uh, and then he's got just a huge lineup. It's crazy how many different, you know, packages and performance upgrades it has. You know, start out with the Chevys. You know, I was a little jealous there for yeah, a while. Yeah. I have to say, I was jealous. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, being a Mopar guy, man, you always go to the back of the line. For any supporting cast, if it's a Mopar, you just stand in the back of the line. All right, they'll get to my stuff in a few years. <laughs> but these guys got it down, man. And not only that, but they got great components. And they really go at it from an engineering aspect, not just throwing a bunch of parts at it. Like, these guys... It, like live it, eat it, breathe it. They're, they're out there on the race uh, tracks and courses each and every weekend. Yeah, you can see the OE like mentality, the engineering that goes into it, right? It, and then you see the racer part that goes into it well, along with the craftsmanship, everything you know, made right here in America. You know, I've been to these guys' shop out in, in uh, Morrisville area in North Carolina, and it, it's impressive, man. I mean, these guys started in Detroit and then just got so big and blew up. They said, man, we got we to gotta have a bigger place to go. We got to buy some land and some bigger buildings. Right, right. And they just tapped into that whole NASCAR racing kind of scene as far as craftsmanship and the skills, all the resources that are down there in Mooresville area, you know, right outside of Charlotte. And uh, these guys have exploded. And, they, you know, they do everything from, you know, right, the components and the systems and all kind of, you know, suspension components to to builds. These guys are building some wicked cool cars. And that's kind of a combo you don't always see. Like, yeah, maybe a shop's building a you know, an owner car, but these guys are cranking out, you know, SEMA type builds, you know, top of the line Optima Challenge type builds, 
uh, left and right and doing the manufacturing all in one space. Yeah, man. I got to ask Kyle when we get him on here, bro, how come we didn't change the name of North Carolina Speed? Because that sounds like a, you know, like a, a show on one of them channels that, <laughs> that you probably shouldn't be watching. You know, North Carolina Speed, not something you want to get under your car for sure. <laughs> uh, something, you know, about Detroit Speed just sticks, man. Those guys have been around. Once you know that those components are under a car, you know how legit that contender is. You know how, you know, how bad that guy has got the itch. You know what I'm saying? If he's put, put Detroit speed stuff under it guys the guy's got an issue and a problem he probably needs to talk to somebody about it us <laughs> yeah I was gonna say you can talk to us because yeah. <laughs> uh, we had that same problem man <laughs> so yeah definitely a big you know when you first stumbled on them what was you know because I first read about it in magazines you're in Detroit you probably had the luxury of you know seeing some of these things and guys and uh under cars you know as they rode out you know for me i would go to car shows uh some big car shows and be like wow man dude's uh got some detroit speed gear under here he's spanking fools he's he's out here for a purpose <laughs> yeah no doubt man no doubt yeah i'm kind of bummed that they moved away but uh glad to see him grow so big you know it's a, it's a small circle you know way back in the day you know um being here in detroit building cars uh you know, we'll get some more scoop from Kyle here when we get him on. But, you know, uh, I think he was one of the he'll, he'll explain if he was in one of the engineering roles here in, at GM. I know he's good friends with Mark Stilo, who's a big, big time, you know, builder, huge early Camaro guy. If you've never heard of him, he's built a couple early <laughs> Camaros, uh, but at least two. Yeah, yeah, but they're they're good friends. And, you know, it just ties this little, you know, Detroit world together, which is pretty cool. Yeah, man. Well, he's got a race team, and they really do. They they work more towards customer satisfaction. I think you'll see that once you go to their website and learn more about them than they do anything else. They want to make sure everything you're getting is going to be working for your setup. You know, last thing they want or anybody wants is somebody, you know, saying, oh, I got A, B, and C, and my truck runs worse, or it didn't work like I wanted to. These guys are there backing up their sauce, which is always great. And now, dude, you know, it's crazy when you jump on their website and see, you know, see these guys leading the charge for C10s, man. That'd be so embarrassing to get just mowed down by a C10 pickup truck on a, on a road course. You're like, man, I didn't go home and eat some of my mama's soup or something, man. Just hide or hide for a day or a weekend. Like, damn. <laughs> but these are the guys can make that happen. Well, I tell you, proof is in the pudding. You know, I went to my first uh, Optima race number years ago. It was probably the third Optima Ultimate uh, Invitational where they pick cars from SEMA and come out, you know, in Vegas and race. And, uh, you know, I saw Mark Stilo in a 69 Camaro. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at the field and there's, you know, Ford GT, you know, one of the 05 kind of four GTs, there's C6 yeah. Vets, there's, I mean, there's all kinds, there's GTRs, and, uh, you know, I'm sizing up in my head, like, how this thing's going to play out, and damn, if Stilo and his 69 Camaro with Detroit Speed Gear didn't just go out there and spank the field, man, it is absolutely incredible what you can do, you know, with the right engineering, the right parts, the right setup, a little bit of tuning, and some track time, you can go out there and handle with anyone. Yeah, isn't it great though? Think about it. Making a car that's forty or fifty years old perform, handle, I mean, just be able to beat on like you would a car off the showroom floor. That is such a rare anomaly to have it all come together and work the way you need it and want it to. Especially when you got that ride and you're out there just banging and everybody comes up to your car because it's, you know, 40, 45 years old, it's out there, you know 
Giving you know guys in their Corvettes midlife crisis scenarios, yeah, man, it's badass. <laughs> well, I mean, as much as I could size up Mark's car, and I know Mark real well, I know his driving prowess. To still go out there and blow the doors off of all those cars, right? Now it takes it takes a man who knows how to wheel, and yeah. <laughs> Mark knows how to do that, like very few. But to go out there and and crush the field like that and dominate, uh, it just says it all. So I can't wait to get I can't wait to get Kyle on, man. I, I think we gotta. Yeah. Here's what we'll do. Let's go to a break now, and when we come back from a break, it'll be a quick one, man. We'll have Kyle Tucker, president of Detroit Speed, on with us, man. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. Kevin Bird, Willie B, and we are back after the break. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, and we got Kyle, the man, Tucker. A man from Detroit Speed on with us. Hey, Kyle. Hey, thanks for thanks for hitting us up with the podcast, bro. It's always great to talk to a a, a, a throttle jockey like yourself, my friend. <laughs> it's great to have you on. Hey, guys. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate being uh, being on and looking forward to this. So uh, you guys have a good time and, and talk good cars, and I like to be a part of it. So I'm looking forward to going. Well, join the crew, man. Go join the crew. Yeah, man. Tell us a little bit about how you started Detroit Speed. How did it all come together, man? It's always fascinating to me because at some point you were a guy in high school. You had a car. We all, all three of us rode through malls, rode through, you know, grocery store parking lots, hitting a lick, going, I got the baddest ride in, in the house. We all did that. Or I expect us, you know, <laughs> we did that. So what was it for you that put you over the top that made you go, you know, there's a hole that I can fill here and make a career out of something I'm stupid passionate about. Yeah, like like all gearheads, you know, we're, we're like, I started at a very young age just loving cars. My dad was a car guy, had hot rods, and um, grew up in that era. And I grew up on a farm. So I learned how to break things, and I had to learn how to fix things. So I, I had that passion and uh, just wanted to be a fabricator and always wanted to work with my hands. And, and I started racing at a young age, go-karts and on the late models and even dirt track midgets and things like that. So the more I raced, the more I wanted to know how cars worked. And the more I raced, the more I knew, hey, just in case, I probably needed a backup plan. So got into engineering school. I was racing. And uh, again, in the pursuit to learn how to set a car up to to have that advantage to, to drive better and race better, being a racer and, and a fabricator, I wanted to know all that. So um, luckily, went to engineering school. Uh, yeah, I met Mark Stilo in engineering school. That's where we met. And um, I got into a college co-op program with General Motors. And that's what led me from Missouri to, to Detroit and started a co-op program and um, went there full time after I graduated mechanical engineering, um, went to the proving ground where all car guys want to work at. You know, you've got test tracks, you've got uh, equipment, you've got base to work on your stuff and all kinds of parts and resources. And Kevin can, you know, contribute to that, but it, it's just, a, it's an awesome place to work and anywhere in Detroit like that. And I learned a lot. I worked on the Corvette program, um, the C5 program and um, did data acquisition, suspension, tuning and, and testing. And, um, you know, it was, it was a great time. Like I said, work with great people and, and um, still had the bug to build hot rods and was building one in the garage at home and long story short when that car came out you know i wanted to build like a penske donahue trans am road race camaro um but with more detail and more modern flair and when it came out it was just i just got lucky it was just at the right time and people started calling me hey can i get a car built like that or can i get a part like that that you designed and that's how it started wow 
and just filled that need. People calling and going, man, maybe I could do something with this. Maybe I could turn parlay this. You know, a couple guys through word of mouth into a whole lot of guys in the business. Yeah, it did. It started like that. You know, when the car came out that summer of 2000 and took it on power tour and it came out in some magazines and pretty soon my phone was ringing and there was a, a business born and it was a hobby at the time, but pretty soon that side business, that side hustle started competing for my day job. And pretty soon that side <laughs> hustle was bigger than my day job. So I took a leave of absence. I, I worked for a car guy, my director at GM, still a, a, a great friend and car guy. And he said, Hey, go take a chance on it. So I did. And I just never went back and uh, started in the backyard shop awesome. and, um, you know, to this day, we still do a lot of manufacturing in Detroit, stampings and our hydroforming, our forgings, a lot of that's done in Detroit. So I'm still back and forth a lot. So how long did you do that overlap? Cause that's kind of a tricky one, right? Like you got your day job and then you got your side <laughs> gig and then, you know, you're teetering back and forth, like, oh, which one of these is going to take me somewhere and which one do I really want to do? how did that work out? You know, it, you know, I have to think about that. It probably went on Kevin for probably over a year, almost a year and a half. And, and maybe it got to the point where I was sleeping in meetings because I was staying up all night working on parts or cars. <laughs> but um, it, it just hit me one day that, hey, I needed to take this chance. And I had a good opportunity and kind of, you know, some cars and parts to build and, and just, just did it. And um, I'll never, never regret that. You know, there weren't a lot of parachute cords to pull, but I did have a job to go back to if I needed to. So thankful for that. And, and uh, about a year and a half into it, built a bigger shop in the backyard and pretty soon outgrew that shop and went to a commercial building. And one thing led to another and I needed a bigger space, you know, and in Detroit, it was tough to compete with, uh, you know, the automotive suppliers, tier one, tier twos for commercial space. And I had built a couple of cars for people in North Carolina and had delivered the cars to them to a collector down here and um, fell in love with the area, fell in love with Mooresville because it's like a like a mini Indianapolis, a mini Detroit going on. You know, there's a lot of technology here, a lot of like-minded gearheads, and, and it just was a good fit for us. And bought a building and some property and moved at the time five people down and uh, took root in North Carolina. So I got to ask, man, because anybody that knows what you create and what you've built just in your name alone knows you guys have a real special emphasis on, you know, suspensions and chassis, for example. So why the what made you want to start over engineering it? Because when you see your products, bro, you, what you're looking at is everything designed to take a beating and lay beatings down. You know, everything is extra heavy duty, but all the geometry is correct. It makes, you know, a car stay so flat three turns. You can't believe how these old big behemoth cars can actually handle with some of Detroit speed underneath it. It's it's unreal. It's the biggest shift, I mean, paradigm shift of anybody that's into old muscle cars. Put your stuff under it and go drive it compared to what it was from the factory, literally night and day. Well, thank you. And, you know, that was always the goal is I'm hard on stuff. Like I said, I grew up a farmer and learned how to break things pretty early on and then uh, <laughs> was able to make a living breaking cars at GM for a while at the Proving Ground. So we needed good stuff, and I wanted the best parts. I wanted the best brand out there. When it came to, you know, our niche was suspension, um, ride and handling and, you know, components to, to put that modern suspension under an older car and, and go out and raise some eyebrows. And, and that's kind of been our recipe is design. It starts from, from the engineering standpoint. You know, there's so many companies in the aftermarket. There's lots of options out there. Everybody knows that. Good options. There's good competitors out there for us. 
and, and keeps us honest. But our deal has always been, it starts from engineering and it's, it's the real deal. I've always wanted it to be the real deal. You know, we start from the geometry, stock geometry, what we have to work with, put our twist on it because we know what works. We're, we're always chasing current tires, you know, tires are what lead us in the aftermarket of what we can and can't do with suspension and shocks and springs and bars and geometry. So it's always been like that. We've always pushed, I think the envelope for manufacturing technology, because I spent that time in Detroit and knew, you know, the technology that we could use for that. So what are your like top secrets? You know, like what do you put in as your special sauce that you think really kind of gets you guys above and beyond the competition, right? Because when somebody's going up against your gear under somebody's car, they're probably going to lose. So what are the things that you really pay attention to? <laughs> you're probably going to lose. Yeah. I hate to put this on you, but you're going to lose, bro. You're going to lose. <laughs> I mean, what are those details, right? What makes you the winner? Well, I, yeah. I appreciate that. And, you know, I think the special sauce, if anything, is if we sweat the details and the engineering side alone, we have our own recipe. We know what works on a geometry and, and we work closely with the tire manufacturers. So we understand how far we can push that. And hey, you always want a good driver behind the wheel too, so that makes us look good when we can pull that off. Yeah, for sure, man. Talk a little bit about your hydroform subframes. A lot of people, you know, may be interested to see how like your subframes are vastly different than the most subframes when you go pulling up, you know, subframes, be it for a you know, a Camaro, a you know, Firebird, a Nova, even Mopars. They're drastically different than what you see elsewhere and and from other manufacturers. Yeah, no, there is. And that, that's still a great product for us. You know, the one that we can hang our head on and a bunch of cars out there that have those that hydroform subframe under it. And I, and I look back, you know, and how we started on that was how could we sell that our geometry and our suspension work better than a competitor that's already been doing it or, or more to come. And, you know, I, I knew that our geometry would work. We'd built prototypes and fabbed up, cobbled up parts and ran them under cars with thousands of miles and thousands of laps. Um, on that on that hydroform subframe before we invested in the tooling. But the reason I wanted to do that was I wanted it to be different. I wanted to build it just no compromises. This is how you should do it because there's compromises when you bend rectangular tubing, right? You get a thick side, you get a thin side. When you weld tubing, you get heat affected zones. So with hydroform tubing, GM did it for a reason, right? It's not the cheapest way to do it, but they did it because it's the best way to build a frame. It's uniform wall thickness. It's easy to change cross sections. It's hard to do though. And in the aftermarket, I think we're still probably the only ones to, to do a hydroform product in the aftermarket, especially the scale within the size of a subframe. And, and I guess if anything, I wasn't a business guy, right? I was an engineer. I wanted to make the best stuff. And I think if any businessman came into the businessman or businesswoman come into the aftermarket, think, hey, I'm going to do hydroforming for an aftermarket part. They were like, no, time out. You can't do that. You'll never pull it off. And we just did. That's the way I wanted to do it. Uh, well, Bert, explain a little bit what hydroforming is, man. Go big. Show them the brain, bro. Dust it off. So what exactly happens? What's unique about hydroforming that most people wouldn't quite get or understand or even know? Well, I think Kyle can jump in, but, uh, you know, think about, you know, obviously running some frame rails. If it's straight, you got a piece of box tubing, rectangle tubing, and you're all set. But once you've got to start making turns and jogs and, you know, shape changes, then, then you're doing a lot of fabrication. You're just cutting and, you know, piecing together a whole bunch of different little puzzle pieces to get what you want. A lot of different welding. Like you said, you know, whenever you're welding, you got heat affected zones, you got shrink, you got warpage. Uh, so yeah, if you can 
form shapes, you know, with a, a single, let's say, cross-sectional tube and get it to move and bend and curve and get divots and pockets, uh, you know, using hydraulic pressure, which, I mean, Kyle, jump in with how big are these machines and how do they get it to, to shape and pop the thing back out again? I mean, I've never seen one actually get to form. Uh, I've, I've seen it in an aircraft, and I worked in aircraft, and uh, yeah. these are slightly different, you know, with the air bladder, and you're moving aluminum pieces, but but not something like a big steel cross-section, man. Come on, Kyle. Pull the curtain back. Pull the curtain back. How do you guys do it at Detroit Speed? So the peak behind the curtain for hydroforming, yeah, it's an impressive machine, and it actually, we run our hydroforming tooling. Um, we keep the tooling in Detroit. We work with one supplier that I've worked with for many, many, many years, and hydroforming is still as sophisticated as the machines and the controllers are, it's a little bit of a black art. And what I mean by that is you have to start with one, the right material. So we actually roll the, the tubing into a four inch round uh, steel tube, 120 wall wall thickness. Um, and we start with that. We put a couple of pre-bends in it and then it goes in the die and the die is made of, of Kirksite. So Kirksite is made for in the OEs, mostly prototype type of tooling, right? So it's low volume, but for the aftermarket, it's a, it's a great volume for us. So to give you the scale of how big the tooling is, just for one frame rail, one frame rail upper and lower die weigh 55,000 pounds. So you think about that. That's a tra- truck tractor trailer load full of Kirksack, right, on for one rail. So anyway, we put that tube in a, in a press called a Schuler press that was designed in Germany. And there's a few of those in Detroit. And as the upper and lower dies close on the round tube that has a couple of pre-bends in it there's two hydraulic cylinders that come into the end of the four inch round tube and like kevin said there's hydraulic pressure that ramp up as the dies are closing and all of a sudden you've got a like basically a water balloon with a steel tube that forms the net shape and it's work hardened it's cold you know down at room temperature it's very strong and very uniform so it's an amazing process to see now kyle here's what i'm gonna have to do man i'm gonna have to see this in person um it just watch it from my own eyes so anytime you can set that up man i'm telling you bird myself will be there we'll bring uh beer whatever you need food we'll serve lunch uh i can make ham and cheese sandwiches for people i don't i'm not afraid we need to see that process take taxi take place man and speaking of taking place we gotta you know have a break to take place right now but when we come back kyle you gotta tell us what you guys got in 2020 i know some i have some buddies with uh with i hate to say it I call them Mustangs because they're everywhere. And, you know, everybody, I grew up racing these freaking Mustangs every weekend, every Wednesday, every Friday in club class. You know, in these series you did, you lined up against a Mustang more so than any car on earth. And you guys have a big, big, just a ton of SKUs, a ton of new items for the new, well, the old Fox Body Mustang. So we'll take a break right now, come back, and you can tell us all about that, all right? Sounds good. All right, man, quick break. We're back at it. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast with Kevin Bird and Willie B. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And we have Kyle Tucker, the man. It says president. It says CEO. It says mad boss in charge on this business card from Detroit Speed. And before the break, Kyle, I was asking you, man, I jump on your website and I see big things coming for all these Fox bodies. And it's a love-hate relationship with Fox bodies and me just because I've lined up against so many of them. I've been beaten by a few of them for sure. Oh, man, for sure. I see these cars everywhere, man. You calm down, Bird. You calm down. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you guys are going to be making components 
for, you know, a car that was built by the hundreds of thousands between 1979 and 1993. There's millions of these, and it feel like every person that owns one wants to make them go fast. So we talk about a market. Man, God, you guys are going to blow up with this. So what do you got for them? Yeah, no, thank you. We're super excited about it. You know, Gearhead growing up in the 80s and 90s, you either had a third-gen IROC Camaro or a Fox Body Mustang lining, lining people up, you know, through the week to race on the weekends, right? So we've stepped into third-gen Camaros and covered a lot of that. So Fox Body's next. And, and yeah, we're, we've got some cool stuff coming. Uh, there's, you know, a good amount of parts out there for them, but our style is, has always been that autocross road race, Punisher-type uh, parts that we want. And we've got some good ideas. So first of all, coming is we've got a mini-tub coming right out of, the, out of Detroit. In fact, they're stamping those this week um, and getting some of those done. So we'll have mini tubs coming for the Fox Body Mustang. We'll have a new rear suspension, some really cool subframe connectors that are going to all come out really soon. And then we'll be diving into the front suspension. We've got some tricks up our sleeve there by the end of the year. Uh, it's going to be huge. Like you said, man, it's such a giant market. And there's so many guys that have nostalgia for those cars, you know, maybe a few that have some hate or you know, some disgruntledness <laughs> going on. I won't mention any names, but <laughs> not love. It's a love-hate relationship, man. It's a love-hate. I love to see them out there, but I sure love beating them. I just don't like getting beat by them. And they always make a great platform. Kyle, you got to admit that th those cars are, man, every time you get somebody in the opposing lane in one of those cars, then you know they got a little money and a little time at it. You know that car is going to, you know, it's going to work well, whether it's straight line, whether it's autocross, whether it's road course. Those cars get down. No, you know you're right. Well, they, they do. You know, that's a car to be to 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 be reckoned with. It, it always is something that you never know when you when you hear it coming up and pounding the ground. You know, you've got to take it serious. And I've been beat by plenty of those too. They're for real. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I'm telling you, they're everywhere, and they're always pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> well, now now you got to be now you got a reason to be scared. Because now it's got, you know, Fox Body with some Detroit speed yeah, underneath of it. You know, and now you start throwing some some coyotes in there and whoo wee, so, man. I, I see I can see the sweat beads. I can see the sweat beads forming on your forehead right now. No, man, those are that's that's happy perspira perspiration right there. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm all about it. I don't mind them cars being in the opposite lane. <laughs> uh, and Kyle, answer this, man, because you know, again, jumping on your website, you know, have you seen the movie uh Ford versus Ferrari? Oh yeah, definitely. So, so when he takes Henry Ford, the deuce number two for the ride, right? Carol Shelby, Matt Damon takes him for the ride and makes him like laugh and cry at the same time. I'm sure I'm absolutely, I put money on it that there's been a couple guys, be it customers, clients, or people that, that you put in the car that you guys have built at Detroit Speed and they damn near had the same reaction, man. What was the very first one? What was the, what was the build where you, you, I don't know, made somebody either tears of joy or <laughs> them crying from being scared? You know, we have, we've given a lot of rides over the years, you know, whether it's autocross or some track days or road courses. And it's a, it's a great way for us to show what our parts can do, the capacity of the, of the cars, especially on the road course, you know, because you've got the speed factor um, and, and, and the, the G's and everything going on. And to us, it's what we grew up doing, you know, and it's just, it's our comfort zone. Your heart rate goes down, you get in that happy space and, and you're just making laps. And, and, and sometimes you forget that, hey, a 60s or a 70s muscle car, it shouldn't pass a GT3 on a road race track, but when we do, that gets some attention. So <laughs> we, we've done that. And, you know, I, I think probably the, the one that comes to memory, and there's there were several people there that day, it was down at an Optima event. 
um, in Daytona. And I'd not been to Daytona to, to race the infield road course and, you know, the, the tri-oval down there. And we took, um, I had the 70 Camaro down there and in, um, some of the entry laps, they encouraged everybody, no matter how much you've raced before your racing experience, they wanted a, one of the local track guys to go with you just as a, a lap to kind of show you the groove because of the speeds get so fast. And they knew that our cars packed a lot of tire and they packed a lot of motor coming from Optima series that they want, you know, everybody to have a, a few train laps with people. So I'm like, Hey, I'm down with that. I'm always open to learn. And, um, I got a, a guy probably in his fifties and he'd been one of those guys that did on track days, SCCA, NASA, all kinds of events down at Daytona just for years. So we get him in, get him strapped in and I'm just kind of talking on the, on the low speed lap, what he's used to, what he's raced. And he was <laughs> telling me the line. And as we come by the second time on a flying run, he starts to get quiet and I'm kind of working the course and remembering what he told me. And we get up on the trial and we start grabbing gears. And pretty soon he's like waving his hands. He's like, Nope, I'm out. I'm out. And that was probably <laughs> the biggest thing for me. It was like, Hey, this dude was for real. He's showing me what to do and I'm just getting up to speed and he wants out of the car. So it was kind of the joke of the weekend that, uh, you know, an old muscle car, you know, something louder than what he's used to. The speeds are faster, the torque, the tire, the grip, all that was just information overload all of a sudden. Well, I tell you, you know, you're packing eight, nine hundred horsepower or more in some of these cars. The amount of tire, even though they're 200 tread rating, the amount of grip that these things are are laying down. I mean, it is a, a mental change for anybody who's got, you know, a certain amount of experience in, let's say, an older race car or a spec series where, you know, you're limited on certain, you know, factors to go into the performance. Some of these street cars will outdo, you know, most of these race cars. So, yeah, that's a total oh, yeah. upside down, you know. I, I, I can just imagine that old cat just hitting that imaginary brake because when I put somebody on a road course, they got that imaginary brake in the passenger seat. They, they keep hitting it, hitting it. I'm like, there's no brake over there. I can see you doing that. Stop it. Yeah, he had some dents in his floorboards <laughs> over there. Like, there's no brake. What are you doing? We've all, we've all got those proud moments. You know, when, when you grab that second to third ship and somebody starts looking for armrest and something to grab onto, that's a proud moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, so I, I got another question, man. You guys have obviously started going into. We just talked about the Fox Body and some of your your you know your Camaros, your Novas, some of these platforms, even Mopars. Um, are you the guy behind the brand that pushes all these SKUs, all these numbers? Because you know, for for guys like me, take me for example. I I have you know a couple Chevys, but I really more of the Mopar guy. And to know that you guys are creating ways for us Mopar guys to go bang corners. It's man, I'm telling you, that is so surprising. Number one, and B, it's a rarity for guys like like me that love, you know, a seventy Dodge Charger or a seventy Challenger. Man, to know you guys are doing some of this stuff, that's kind of unheard of in in our realm because you know, 117 inch wheelbase, not something you want to take out on a road course. You know, it's like what's the land yacht doing here? But you guys make it go fast. You know, no, we have you know, and a lot of that starts from. I still go to a lot of shows. The company goes to a lot of shows and race events and different weekends. And, and you have to be a good listener. You want to be a good observer and see what people are driving, what they want to drive, what they want to build, listen to what they want to build, what parts are looking for. And Mopar comes up more and more. And we really noticed the, I guess the interest on that when we built, um, you know, a good customer of ours, a 70 charger here recently and, and uh, got some ideas of what, what wasn't available, what we could do. And now we're building another one in the shop. And that's where a lot of our product line comes from is we'll 
we'll build a car in the project shop for a customer, you know, and we'll see what's not available in the aftermarket. And that leads us to, hey, there's some voids in the market that we could come up with and come up with our ideas. And that's how a product line starts a lot of times. Yeah. Speaking of builds, man, what, what do you got in your shop right now that's like super hot coming out? Yeah. So we're super excited this year. We've got a, a really... Uh, a really cool 65 Buick Riviera that's going to be Detroit speed style. It looks very eloquent, very detailed, very luxurious, but it's packing a punch underneath and under the hood. And I'm super excited about that car. We've worked on it now for a couple of years, uh, just came through paint and uh, we'll be going through assembly soon. So that's a exciting project for us. And, and on the extreme of that, we're building a, uh, I can't talk a lot about it, but we're building a old Toyota FJ uh, cruiser, a 66 FJ four-door what? cruiser. So excited about that. What? No. <laughs> is this going to be a, an off-road or street only or a trackable or what, what kind of path is this one going on? An FJ. Wow. That's, that's out of style yeah, for you guys. Different. It is. It's, it's extremely different. Um, it's neat because it's a super big challenge for us to use uh, a, a late model chassis and running gear out of a Lexus. Um, is about Damn. all I can tell you to make everything work. So it's going to be a cruiser, but it's going to be more of a, if you took it to the dunes and glamorous, you're going to be like the coolest dude there. No way. And hey, Kyle used the word <laughs> neat, Kevin. Just let's mark this day down. Kyle used the word neat to describe it. I'm, I bet that's not going to be a descriptive <laughs> adjective on your website. I'm just saying neat. Uh, <laughs> what it's going to be is awesome, though. I, when you come up with these crazy ideas, like you know, a Riviera or something like that, how do the guys in your shop, do, are they still excited about, you know, every Camaro that runs through and every Riviera? Are there things that get them out of control, excited? Like those guys, because you got a big staff now, man. they got to get pretty revved up for something as weird as that. You know, we do. We've got um, some great guys that have been with me a long time in the project shop. In fact, my very first employee, uh, Paul, that started with me in the backyard, uh, he also came from GM. Uh, he's still with me. And as we get into these project builds, it's really an open forum because they're all gearheads, they're all car guys, ton of experience, ton of talent on that team. And it just kind of flows. And the customers that we have in the shop, we're very fortunate to let us kind of get to do our thing. It doesn't mean it's an open checkbook, but they let us do our thing and put our influence into it. Each of our guys on that project team bring a certain area and a certain style. And it's neat to see it evolve. Man, so how many how many cars do you have in your shop at any one time these days? How how big has it gotten? Yeah, so the project build shop, you know, we we do everything there except for interior. We sub out the interior, but we'll have ten to eleven projects going in the project shop at once, and every one is moving. It's not like one sitting. So everything's moving forward on ten or eleven shop shop builds. Man, I got a lot of friends with ten or eleven cars in their shop, and they're all dusty. <laughs> You know, they have 10 or 11 cars moving through a shop. I mean, that is grooving. Yeah, it's got me all man. jelly. I'm almost mad yeah. at you, Kyle. <laughs> all right, look, man, before we go, tell everybody how to see your stuff, man, because we talked about it. You guys have an amazing website, so you can check it out there. Where are you socially? Give us the rundown so in case people are listening, man, they could jot it down and find more details on anything that sounds exciting to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Go to our website, DetroitSpeed.com. It's updated all the time with new videos, new new build photos. Every Friday at noon, we post project build photo updates. All of our products are on there with video installs and a lot of things going on. Socially, you can find us on Instagram at Detroit Speed. Of course, Facebook, we're building our YouTube channel. So I'd want you to go to YouTube and see all of our new videos. We're pumping out there too. So um, a lot of neat things going on. And 
we're uh we're not sitting idle during this time we're still all getting after it my man hell yeah it's glad to hear dude all right and look man i'm straight man kiss you right there bro thanks for doing it appreciate you you guys at detroit speed man so let's call this one a wraps hey make sure you check out our show it airs weekends on motor trend network check your local listings episodes also now streaming on motor trend on demand thanks again to our guest kyle tucker president of detroit speed that's where you two claps into rick flair Woo! Right there, man. My <laughs> man Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. God, dude, Kevin, I'm telling you, that's the good, that's the goods right there. That's the go fast goods. That's right. I'm uh. I'm, I'm woo and right back at you. Yeah, man. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. And don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. We got lots of great content down there. And share your thoughts with us on social. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a copyright 2020. Brenton Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. So get your own Kool-Aid. We'll see you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Detroit Speed Rocks. Oh, I'll see you, fellas. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of Brenton Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.